I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to Going Offsides, presented by the Lacrosse Collective on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. All right, today on the show we have Hutton Jackson of Pro Lacrosse Talk, and uh, he's going to be joining us to give us his takes on the most recent PLL bubble and uh, a few hot takes for going into the offseason. So, Hutton, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Nick. I appreciate it. Nice to meet you, Ryan. Uh, you know, I love what you guys are doing with Lacrosse Collective, and uh, I appreciate you know what you've been doing too, Nick, on the contributor side of Pro Lacrosse Talk. It's been great having you, and um, hopefully we can do some more collaboration going forward. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk some uh, Pro Lacrosse. Awesome. And then for the people that aren't as familiar, give us like the 30 second elevator pitch for what Pro Lacrosse Talk is. Sure. Yeah. So Adam uh, Moore and myself, we started Pro Lacrosse Talk back in 2019, uh, right around the start of the PLL and MLL seasons. Um, you know, we went into it knowing that we wanted to cover all four of the leagues, uh, both the MLL, PLL, NLL, and the WPLL, which is now shutting its doors. So a little asterisk there, but we still want to support the women's game. We think it's important. We enjoy the women's game as well. And that's kind of was our, our little pitch that we were the only podcast really to cover all four professional lacrosse leagues. But uh, yeah, really passionate about pro lacrosse. Think that, you know, it needs to be talked about a little bit more. You know, college gets, you know, gets king still. And, uh, but we think the pro game is exciting and you know, we're excited to kind of keep growing it. And, you know, a lot of people like yourself, Nick, have kind of reached out and come on board and really helped us out uh, this past year. So uh, that's kind of the elevator pitch. You know, we, we're continuing to grow. We're going to bring coverage all year round. Um, and, you know, we're just looking forward to kind of this off season for both field lacrosse as well as the NLL coming up, which I think it's going to be a really interesting season as well. Perfect, perfect. And we'll definitely make sure to link, you know, your socials at the end so people know where to where to find you where to listen because you guys do have an excellent podcast you guys have great guests from you know all the leagues all professional players coaches gms it's really you know even nick sankowicz so you have you have the big shots in in pro lacrosse definitely on the show so it's really cool and it's a little different from what we do you know we focus on you know k through adult lacrosse yeah we're all but, over uh, the place. yeah we're all <laughs> over the map but uh we do like to touch on a little bit of everything so that being said, the PLL bubble, what are our first impressions now that it's over? Uh, well, first off, 0% cases while they're in there. Um, I kind of joked on Twitter, I'm getting married this fall, and I would like their medical staff to kind of maybe make a bubble for me because I, <laughs> I could use it. Um, but I think that's you know my first takeaway with that. It was very impressive that they didn't have any current cases. I, I went into a lot of these bubble tournaments thinking it's not a matter of uh, if, it's when. Um, and they present, you know, I was pleasantly surprised with that. So kudos, kudos to the, you know, medical staff for getting it done on that regard. Obviously, you know, how you had a few people before they arrived tested positive, but um, the fact that they were able to get, you know, Tucker Durkin on the field and, and catch things too, like Jules Henningberg is a shame as it was to not see him take the field. I think that was, you know, again, credit to them for making sure he didn't go out there and, you know, put himself in harm's way. But uh, that was my initial takeaway from how the pu bubble went in terms of a, you know, safety standpoint. Thought it was a best case scenario for them, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, they showed that everything that they wanted to prove going into this, that, you know, they were kind of one of the first pro, well, they were the first pro league to go into it and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is the model. And we want this to be the similar model that everyone follows and to mm -hmm. kind of go through it. And like you said, zero cases, they caught some things early on before it ever became an issue. I mean, 
from a PR standpoint, that's best case scenario. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and it was kind of like a perfect storm too. I mean, I hate to go back and talk a little bit about the MLL, but to see what the MLL went through and then to have basically the PLL do it with no issues whatsoever. I mean, that's gotta be a huge win for them. I mean, mm -hmm. the Rables are probably sitting back, you know, having a few cocktails going, Hey, we, we did this right. And, and, and I think the product was good. Yeah, I think, you know, Ryan, we go back to one of our earlier episodes, which hasn't been uploaded yet, but we talked about where the PLL might take this bubble. And we talked about IMG, we talked about Lawrenceville, and we talked about, you know, Utah. And I think it was, I think I said that Lawrenceville would be a bad move, not because of location, but because of how easy it would be for these guys to get in and out of the bubble mm -hmm. and how, how it's like, it's home for so many people. And so they go to Utah in the middle of nowhere and, and, and they do it successfully. And then unfortunately, the MLL does the opposite. They basically do like a Lawrenceville type thing. They're in Annapolis and people know everybody everywhere. And a couple, you know, a couple of guys decided to leave the bubble. And that's unfortunately, you know, one of the things we thought about a long time ago might be an issue. And even though it wasn't an issue for the PLL, it, it was an issue in pro lacrosse. So I think it's funny how that kind of all happened but i don't think the mll had a feasible way to to move the tournament to to anywhere else to keep no. these guys interested you know the careers of these guys have been built around you know differently the mll guys have built their careers very differently outside of lacrosse than than some of the pll guys have and uh you know i think that really showed this year with them not being able to really you know, do a two week bubble or, or do a really like social, like a very geographically distant bubble. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think the MLL, you know, credit where credit is due, they, they had a great product. They, they got me excited about MLL again. Um, you know, obviously PLLs, you know, the, the hype train and the, and the marketing bus sucked everybody in last year. And I think the MLL definitely got some people back, uh, <laughs> with, with what they did this year. So, I mean, good, good stuff all the way around, but yeah, I'm very impressed. You know, it's it, not easy to do what they did and they definitely gave a blueprint for, for pro sports. So it's a win-win for pro lacrosse. I think, you know, this, this mm -hmm. was, I, everybody's walking away from it. Like, you know, to not have anything, you know, March, April, May, and then to go having three weeks of nonstop lacrosse. I mean, and let's face it too, a lot of people in the lacrosse world are teachers and they're off in the summer and like really kind of not really having that big of a club season. It was just so awesome. I think they probably, I don't know the numbers, but I'm sure they gained a whole new fan base. They were able to get the, the younger generations involved and in watching the sport. I mean, it was awesome. It was really awesome. Yeah, and once they got the hook in, they were able to keep you on there because you had a week or two weeks straight of of games, multiple mm -hmm. games a day. So they really hit it home by saturating, you know, the media with with lacrosse, which we usually don't get. Um, yeah. No, so, I thought it was I, I thought it was awesome what they they did, and um, you know, you, you mentioned too how they were hooking new fans. And Ryan, the betting was huge. Yeah. I think. Oh man. PLL. I mean, I got involved in the betting a little bit more than I, I'm used to, and I'm sure that you had a lot of new fans just betting on lacrosse, trying to figure it out. Um, and I, I think that's a big thing. Um, you know, I, I think fantasy sports is going to be the next wave. Uh, we'll probably see. I know, you know, Paul and Mike Rabel have talked about that on, you know, past like front office sports podcasts and stuff. Like, I, I'd be shocked if it if it's not next year, probably a year after. Like, we're going to see fantasy lacrosse in a official capacity. I think pretty soon. We had it, you know, with Flow Fantasy as well. 
Um, what they put together was pretty cool as well, I think, if you guys participated in that. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I really think it was a great three weeks of pro lacrosse. I just hope that we can sustain this, keep it going, because now you got hockey is going to, you know, kind of uh, be there. Baseball's still there. Um, you know, I think just it's up to lacrosse fans to keep this conversation going. I think what we're, I, we're, we're each doing on this podcast and on other podcasts is going to help continue that conversation. But uh, overall, I think, it, you know, we got the best three weeks we probably could have. Yeah, I think, like you said, keep it going. So I think what we need to do now is encourage everyone to give NLL a try because I think most field mm -hmm. fans aren't really familiar. I mean, there's definitely some, but I, I think – I've never really given it too much effort to to watch it, you know, on uh, what is it usually streaming on? Um, BR Live now, yeah. Yeah, BR Live. So, yeah. you know, and, and I, you know, sometimes it's free on Twitter and I, I, I could find myself out in public last year before quarantine watching a game on Twitter live. And, and I think that's really cool for getting new fans in. But I think now that they've, you know, maybe they're more invested in some of these players and they've heard the word NLL and box so many times, maybe they'll, they'll follow these players into another league. And as far as the betting thing goes, I think lacrosse gambling is essentially what Maction is to college football. It's a way for degenerate gamblers to, uh, <laughs> to find some, some extra thing to do because I would find myself a huge college football fan with no interest in Mac football on a Wednesday, Tuesday night at an Eastern Michigan game for $10 just just because it's something to do and I needed something to do. And I think that's what lacrosse betting did for a lot of people that were fringe lacrosse fans. Maybe they're mm -hmm. like, listen, I don't really get the game, but I'm going to take the over every time. And, you know, unfortunately, this year they would have lost a lot of money. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it did a great job. You know, they're just – I'll, I'll give that, that to the Rebels for sure. They're looking at every single avenue, every nook and cranny that they can find to, to keep pushing the envelope, not only as a sport, but as a, as a sports league. They want the PLL to be like every other professional sports league and have everything that everyone else does. And I think they're definitely making, making waves doing that. Yeah. And to go off of that too, I think it's important because like, I remember we, we talked to CJ Costabile and he told us, He's like, I've only ever met one person that had no connection to lacrosse, but was a professional lacrosse fan, you know? And I think that's kind of telling is right now, a lot of us that follow pro lacrosse are already lacrosse fans. And you still don't have a lot of people that follow college lacrosse following the pro game. And I think, you know, it's starting to change, you know, betting will change that, um, you know, fantasy sports will change that getting it on NBC will change that. Um, and I think, you know, you mentioned the NLL. I think what they've done, they're probably the best put together league, most mm -hmm. professional league so far. They're adding a 14th team next season. Um, you know, these arenas get, you know, upwards of, you know, 8,000, 9,000 uh, fans a game. And, you know, they're, they're kind of doing it the right way. Uh, not that these field leagues aren't, but they're just ahead of the game. So I think if people give it a, a try, they'll, they'll definitely be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and if you look at the ownership of of the NLL teams and compare it to like the MLL, you have seasoned sports professionals that own these teams, either mm -hmm. NHL, WNBA, or Outlaws. I mean, hell, the Denver Broncos. So, you know, it's a little bit different in that regard. You know, you have successful businessmen running the MLL, whereas you have successful sports people running the NLL. Mm -hmm. So I think that has made a long-term difference um, in the evolution of the league. And I think, you know, what, what, what I've been reading a lot of is that the NLL 
they have a huge percentage of fans that have no connection to lacrosse that are now mm-hmm. NLL fans. And speaking from experience, when I went with the University of Michigan to a, uh, a Denver game, we went and saw the Mammoth, and I had never seen so such a diverse <laughs> fan base as I did. We had biker gangs there. We had farmers there, you know, in between periods or quarters i don't even know because i'm so new to it we had mutton busting i mean there was a hot tub in the corner with Mm -hmm. with bikini girls and they were playing music during the game and i'm like what am i at a hockey basketball like i have no idea where i'm at and we're playing where the avalanche play and i'm like this is by far and i've been to the world cup i was like this is by far the most unique fun experience i've ever had at a pro sports event Man, I remember growing up and like this was this was when the Saints were the Saints and obviously mm-hmm. now it's the Riptide. I mean, it was it's just such a unique experience. And I mean, you go back and like you're talking about that in Colorado. Colorado has since they've come out, they've always drawn. The Mammoth have always drawn well. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. almost like, you know, and and I know a lot of people were upset when they went away, but now they're back. I mean, the Philly Philly Wings, like they used to sell out like mm-hmm. every game. Yeah. It was insane. Those games when they had Dallas Elliott and goal and Jake Berge and all those guys, like, you know, the league has been around for a really long time. Um, and, and I think part of it too is, is like you said, Nick, like the, it's, it's all about the ownership. And, and I think too, part of it is, is they've had some very, very good commissioners that have had great visions for the development of that league. And I think that's, I'm not going to talk out of pocket, but I think that's probably where there's been some issues with the MLL. And kudos mm-hmm. to the PLL because the Rables are running it like a business. They want it to be a successful business. And that's their background. They're entrepreneurs. Like they don't, they're not in it to, to lose money. I, I, I mm-hmm. think it's just, it's such a unique kind of thing. And, and it's interesting to see where it goes. And it kind of just piggyback and everything off of what you were saying. Like the NLL is such a good product and it's such a great way to see some really talented lacrosse players that like mm-hmm. don't necessarily come from your traditional blue blood division one programs. They have guys that are playing at mid-level division one schools. Um, D2 is all over the place. D2 man. is all over the place. D3, too, yeah. D3 as well. I mean, RIT, listen, man, limestone. Yep. You had, you had, um, was it Hoopy? Was that Detroit Mercy? Yeah. Hoopy. Um, I think that's the biggest one. And yeah. I think that was warm for a little bit. But man, I remember going to or the Hofstra game. I remember going to the Hofstra games and seeing Ethan Iannucci. You know, he was a great field play but player and did really well. But like then, like he went and broke Gary Gates' record for goals in a season in the NLL. Like it's like so interesting to see those guys that were given mm-hmm. field to try, and then you see them in their natural habitat playing box. Like you know, like people think Tohoka is like this this insane field player, and he is. Watch him play box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And then you take a guy like Miles Jones and then he's like learning box on the fly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, that's a cool little project too. So we'll see what the riptide do with him this year. But uh, you know, it, it's funny to see the Americans playing box and being a little bit out of their element. And then you see the box players playing field and, you know, same thing. So, you know, I think going forward, that that's a big part of just keeping the momentum is, you know, seeing it as like a, a three season sport and not just ending as soon as the summer ends. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, the NLL perfectly lines up where it basically gives you lacrosse from the end of field season into college, you know, the spring college season. So Mm -hmm. we just got to keep that momentum going, but fingers crossed. We got it. We got to stay healthy. Yeah. 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 And you have one more point. 
Yeah, just to add on, on that too is uh, credit to these leagues too to kind of put aside their differences because mm -hmm. you used to have the MLL starting before the end of the college season and in the middle of the NLL's playoffs. And so sometimes those guys wouldn't even, you know, and this is like talking two years ago, this was still happening. Yeah. That you would have Lyle Thompson wouldn't play until June, but the Bayhawks. Well, that was, had that was a Rabel move all the way. That was one of his main points was we need mm -hmm. to realign the seasons because then you can make a career out of pro lacrosse. Well, yeah. how many times, how many times like the, 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 like the Hamilton nationals didn't even have it. Like they, they didn't even have a team for like the first part of the MLL season. Cause they were all still playing box. They're and then all of a sudden, yep. and then all of us and the, the Rattlers too. Cause I mean, it was the same franchise, but then all yeah. of a sudden they, they go on an, an eight game winning streak. It's nuts. Yeah, well, it's but funny now when Brody seeing, Merrill shows up to the game. Yeah, for real. But now you're seeing, you know, all three leagues kind of acknowledge each other's existence. The NLL, I think, did a great job of piggybacking on the PLL and MLL mm -hmm. uh, Twitters um, because they're like, they realize, like, hey, we got to let people know, like, the, these field fans that the NLL is here too um, because, you know, it's still traditionally Canadians are more invested in the NLL and mm -hmm. then vice versa, you know, us Americans are more invested in the field. But really when you look at it, the field game – you know, they're, I don't want to say burning cash, but like the, the investment is not there. And I think you brought up a good point, Nick, earlier about how, you know, you're getting good owners in these NLL franchises. I mean, you just had the WNBA, I think the Dallas Wings mm -hmm. owner is now the owner of the uh, Fort Worth team that's going to be coming. Um, yep. You know, Joe Sai owns the Seals, yep. like, and they're buying these franchises for, you know, millions of dollars, which, you know, may not sound that much in the grand scheme of pro sports, but that's big for lacrosse where, you know, they could, you know, buy them for six figures, like, just a few years back. So um, you're definitely seeing, you know, Nick Sakavich doing a great job of building up the value of these franchises. And, and he talks about how he, they choose the right owners now. Mm -hmm. um, and you see what Halifax did, even though they weren't an expansion franchise, you know, Kurt Stye, you know, great move, moving them to Halifax. Um, and then you keep the Rochester faithful there too, by adding another team. So yep. it, they're doing a good job. Yeah. It's adding legitimacy to the league. Like, and it's just, it's, it's not that they need it anymore, but it's like, you're adding like those legitimate owners mm -hmm. that, they're they're in there they want to win just as much as the players do and they want to mm -hmm. invest in just yeah, as much it's as not the a, players it's not do. a niche investment it's not no. a charity investment like they mm -hmm. want to actually win and and grow the sport by doing so and what but are we talking on, about well just one last thing and like what do we what does everybody always talk about like it's one step closer for these guys being full-time professional athletes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we just talked to Mal Silva about that. You know, he didn't even get the same benefits of all the other pro athletes that were coming out of the services because lacrosse was considered a part-time uh, mm -hmm. professional sport. So it's considered semi-pro. Semi yeah. So, yeah, exactly. We need to get away from that. But yeah, the NLL was very busy on Twitter during the last three, four weeks. And, and kudos to them for recognizing like this is a massive opportunity. While everyone else is busy running their leagues, they can just really make a push and mm -hmm. get some new fans. But wrapping up that conversation and moving into, you know, the PLL as a product, um, how about the game, the championship game? I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. We we had some group chats going, and about two quarters in halftime, I'm like, this is flat. Mm -hmm. I'm not enjoying this. I might turn this off. Regardless that I wanted the Whip Snakes to win because the loser of our uh, of our LAS pool had to buy an Atlas shirt. <laughs> I really needed the Whips to win. And uh, I, was just, I was just bored. And then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. fourth quarter – Everything changes. I mean, enter Zed Williams, and you know, I feel bad because the chaos were like just pretty much playing it perfectly. 
you know, Andy Towers tweeted out that Denny, he was helping him with, with scouts and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool to hear that he was involved in it and was certainly working during the playoffs, but Holy crap. Did, did things shift in a hurry? Mm -hmm. It was, it was like a game of three runs. That's what Adam said on our podcast. You had, you know, whip snakes go up to nothing. You're like, Oh, whips are going to continue to kind of roll mm -hmm. and dominate. And then the chaos come out of nowhere and, you know, they go on their run and they end up, you know, staying up, I think six, three going in the fourth quarter. And then it was all Zed Williams, you know, it was, I mean, give the whip snakes as a whole credit and, you know, Joe Nardella to play, yeah. make, make it, take it. But yeah, it was just a game of three runs. And like you said, it was kind of boring. I think the problem there was, you know, again, they can't really determine the TV slots, especially with NHL mm -hmm. coming back. But starting the game at noon, which was 10 a.m. Mountain time, I don't think was probably the best call for these players, you know. <laughs> I think ideally if that – if it wasn't a Sunday, like let's say it was – you know, let's say everything was shifted up a day and you had one more day mm -hmm. of rest before a Sunday matinee game, that would have been just – everything that they needed to be a little bit fresher because mm -hmm. everyone just looked flat across the board. Um, it wasn't the same product we had, you know, end of week one even. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden things got real exciting real fast. So, uh, you know, I, I had a really good time watching the fourth quarter. I'm glad I stuck it out mm -hmm. and I was really glad the whips won, but um, you know, who's your Ryan, who's your MVP for the, for the whole PLL series? I'm going to go with the guy I said was going to be my breakout player, and it turns out he was, Zed Williams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I what about it. you, Hudden? I like Zeddy ball game, but I got to go Nards, Nardella. Yeah. I mean, 72%. I Again, I don't think we're, you know, talking about it enough. I don't think anyone really, you know, was, do, like, you know, bashing him or – I think everyone recognized how well he was going, you know, doing during this championship series. And I know he tweeted out like kind of, he got disrespected <laughs> a little bit. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but again, I do think we aren't still talking about him enough because, you know, if Zed doesn't score six goals, he's probably your MVP. Um, and yeah. just the fact that he dominated so much, again, it was a series. So I think that kind of led into, if you get hot, you're hot the whole series, essentially um, that kind of affected guys negatively. But um yeah, I, I got to give him a lot of credit. He's probably my MVP. Um, I think Zed, you know, deserved it for that game. But if I'm going series, it's got to be Nards. Yeah, and I think so. We had this debate too on the LAS staff of you know who's MVP. Do we have a tournament MVP or a Finals MVP? And you know, I think my vote was always Nardella because even though Zed had what three, four hat tricks in a row, yeah, he completely he completely disappeared in the semifinals. He and Rambo had zero points, mm -hmm. which was crazy. You know. Good thing mm -hmm. Jay Carlson's still around. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but to, for him to be Nardella to be so consistent every every game, knowing that people are coming for him, knowing that they're game planning for him, switching up his style, using the wings, pushing it forward, doing you know defensive exits, you know everything he did, and to go seventy percent or higher is just absolutely insane. And, mm -hmm. and it's great, you know, scoring five goals in two minutes is also insane. However, he doesn't, you know, Zed doesn't have the ball in his stick if Nardella doesn't win the faceoff. And and that's what people seem to forget because it's not the fun stat. But that is definitely what kept them in it, you know. Having the first goal is great, and then Nard's like, here, have the ball again and again mm -hmm. and again and again. And, yeah, granted, they have the best wing play in the league, but it's still, you know, Nardella definitely was. And I think he felt disrespected because people were trying to take away from the faceoffs in general in the PLL. 
for various reasons, officiating, whatever. So he felt a little disrespected there, like someone was trying to take away now but like he said like we all play by the same rules and and i'm winning mm-hmm. listen man if it was if it was connor farrell if it was trevor baptiste in the position that he's in it i think it would be a completely different story well because he's not on the PLO hype machine exactly you know? right yeah. the PLO like one- pushes the people that they want to push a little bit higher than everyone else in marketing which is fine it's a business and Nardella, maybe he doesn't fit the mold of Connor Farrell because he doesn't have beautiful gold locks or <laughs> some great story behind what he's doing. But, you know, he's just this dude from Rutgers that doesn't give a crap. And all he's there, to, all he cares about is winning. And that's exactly what he did. And, you know, it's going off of that. I, I think you just described the whip snakes though, to a T yeah. also. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think there's really anybody on there. Like Matt Rambo is a star because he's one of the best players in the game. That guy could be perfectly content not getting any media publicity. Yeah. And I think that's the whip snakes. You know, you got John Haas, like, again, always, you know, under underrated. I, I'd say maybe not underrated, underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, even Mike Chanichuk, who gets a lot of, you know, publicity for, you know, his two-point shots. Um, you know, quiet, humble guy. They're, they're all just in it to, to win it. Um, you know, Staggs does a great job of just getting them to buy into that system. And I they don't really have any of the prima donnas. And that's kind of why you see some of the other teams maybe – you know, falter a little bit. And I just got to give Nards, again, some more credit because when we looked at these rosters going into it, um, him and Tommy Kelly were the only one teams that he was going to be the only face-off guy. And going into that, I was like, that's kind of a mistake. I don't think that's going to work. You kind of have to have a change of pace guy. Um, I think that was mostly true, except in the case of Nardella. He just dominated still being the only face-off guy. And then you saw the flip side of it with Tommy Kelly having a pretty rough, you know, series. And he didn't really have a guy that he could lean Mm -hmm. on um, to be that change of pace guy, whereas, you know, Stephen Kelly has Brendan Fowler, uh, you know, the Redwoods, even though they didn't look too great at the faceoff, they had two guys. Um, even Connor Farrell, you know, had yeah. uh, had a um, thrown a blank now. Um, Hunter Forbes, you know, yeah. as well, mm-hmm. um, didn't do that great. But again, just having a guy to kind of mix it up yeah. does wonders. And Nards didn't have that, and he still dominated. Well, and like to piggyback with your Redwoods talk, I mean, Nardella plays a fact into this as well because obviously he just kept winning and winning and winning. But like that defense in a professional league, they gave up less than 10 goals a game on average mm-hmm. the whole series. That's insane. I don't mm-hmm. care that they're shorter games. I don't care about all that stuff. Like that's insane. They were, they scored more goals this year and they let in fewer goals this year. And their save percentage and their faceoff percentage was also better. I mean, that's. You know, it's hard so to be a team like that. maybe we're all wrong. Maybe we're all wrong. Maybe Stags is the MVP and we just didn't. He might no, be. No one's thinking yeah. about that because it's yeah. it's easy to, it's it's very hard to lo- win back-to-back championships in any sport. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to do it when you lose through expansion. Ryan Drenner, Reeves, a couple other guys. I mean, holy 71 crap. points. Yeah. <laughs> holy crap. I mean, Zed Williams, you know. Now it seems like an obvious pick. Listen, but it wasn't the you know other people had a chance at him, mm-hmm. and they just were like, you know what, no, because he had a good college career, not a great college career. And people were mm-hmm. talking about this. I mean, he scored seven hundred and twenty points in his high school career and was the number one recruit going to UVA, and he was great at UVA, but he wasn't great in a sense that he was putting up like you know Lyle Thompson numbers. He was mm-hmm. just he was just a do it all type well, guy and did even all for that the stuff. cannons. He wasn't yeah. like this. Yep. He wasn't this version of himself. Exactly. And even the the swarm too. You you think yeah. about who he's playing with. Lyle Thompson, Miles Thompson, Randy Stotts. Like, you know, 
he's he does great on the swarm, but you're like, oh well, he's got a lot of you know a great cast around him, and I think mm -hmm. I think he still does that with the whips as well. But yeah, yeah, he took it to another level this so, year. So so let me ask you this, Hutton, as the you know the NLL guy in the group, how lucky were the Mammoth to get him at the beginning of the tournament and not at the end of the tournament? Oh, very very lucky. I think the swarm maybe would have asked a little bit more. Um, <laughs> you know, the swarm got a great guy in Dan Coates too. You know, he was mm -hmm. their captain there. Um, but uh, Doug Marcus, uh, a fan on Twitter, pointed this out to me. Um, the Mammoth now have the top goal scorers in both the PLL yep. and the MLL. Yep. They have Ryan Lee, <laughs> who led the league in scoring with the Outlaws on the, in the MLL, and now Zed Williams uh, with the Whip Snakes. So they're they're probably feeling pretty good going in. Early season. money's on the Mammoth, huh? Yeah, right. and I can't we'll wait see. for Emma. The NLL to get the betting started too. They tried introducing it last year before COVID had other plans, but that's going to be exciting to also kind of follow. Okay, so let me let me change gears a little bit and let's move into next year. So two different debates. Number one, do we see an eighth PLL team? I hope so. Um, given financial situations that I don't really know of, but just the environment, I don't think it happens. But just thinking about guys that maybe could use a change of scenery, like a Connor Fields, like where do you put them? Maybe the Water Dogs, maybe the Redwoods, you know, even though they have Jules coming Part back. Part of my next question well, that I'm going to throw Yeah, sorry you. if I'm jumping the <laughs> no, shark no, a little you're bit. Good. But it, I just, I, you know, I think they need another team. There's too much talent in this league, too many people sitting on the bench that, you know, could be starters. So I hope. That's my hope is there's another team, but well, and they always control I don't know how many is. people come into the league, right? You know, let's just let's let's just make the assumption that there's another group of people wanting to come over from mm -hmm. another league. It, you know, you got to have a place to put those guys too, and definitely more guys are available than there are retiring at the moment. So mm -hmm. there's definitely room talent wise for an eighth team. I'd love to see it just to round out all the numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, make it a nice round eight, and then I would say just send it with eight for like two to three years and just let mm -hmm. it really grow before you try doing anything else. I just think that's a good number. But like you said, you know, for the people that aren't super familiar, you know, the PLL looks fantastic on TV and on social media. But you know, at the end of the day, you got to get these investors their money back. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that we're there yet and nor should you be in the first year or two, but I think we, they do still need to be careful with how mm -hmm. they, you know, they don't want to overstep, you know, we've seen leagues overstep and then retract mm -hmm. and we don't want to see that again. So as much as I want the eighth team, I also want it to be right. So, you know, selfish me wants it. But the business side of me says, you know, only if it makes sense. There's definitely enough talent. You know, the the social media blitz that you get from adding an eighth team. And I'm mm -hmm. sure that they'd make plenty of money on gear. So I think, you know, there's some pros and cons. And, you know, who who's going to know better than, you know, Mike Rabel to, to figure that out. So just got to pick a better name. Don't let Barstool pick the name. <laughs> well, that's a, well, uh, it was a genius move on their part, getting them involved. But yeah, yeah. but now I'd really like it if they left. Exactly right. <laughs> well, I mean, you, let's, you can't let's, admit that you haven't yeah. seen a game a week into the first season where you, quote unquote, you know, air quotes for the people that can. Yeah, me, I think that's his own a team. But, yeah, it's listen. It's a, a, that's a tough look. But I mean, hey, at this at the same time, like you said, if the guys come over that you know people can speculate that are going to come over with the talent coming out of the lacrosse of college lacrosse. It, the talent level is going to be insane next year. It's going to be really tough for the, it's going to be even more competitive than it already is. And the level of lacrosse is going to be even higher than it is. 
Okay, so Ryan, I'll I'll give you this one because I already okay. know where Hutton's kind of thinking. What do you do if you're do I say Ben or do I say Paul? What do you if you do if you're the Atlas and you have the first overall pick? They still have um they still have Sowers rights, right? No, if you go back to school, you go back in the pool, oh. as somebody tweeted. Is out. that is that the truth? Yeah, for yes. that for the PLL, <laughs> that's the truth. Okay. I mean, that's my money. Teat, that's why Teat's still available in, in the first round this year. It's going to be between those two guys. You think they're taking? All right, so it's going to be between those two guys. So I then would probably you have two options, though, right? So if you take Sowers, you have two options because you still have two, three excellent attackmen. Who do you trade? Because you're not going to keep all of the attackmen that they have. You know, let's assume that there's no expansion team, so you have everyone coming back for the sake of argument. Mm-hmm. So, which attackman do you ship, and what do you get? What do you try to get for him? Which two attackmen do you ship? Yeah, you, well, I'm you could go two for one, probably, maybe, and grab a. You know, that could that could help. I still yeah, think I, it's crowded with Eric Law, Cloutier, and uh, Ryan Brown, who are all struggling to you know get their full. Well, here's the thing too. too: like Sowers is, you know, he can play anywhere, but he's definitely comfortable behind the net. Well, you're gonna tell right, Pinnell so- to move. You're damn Not right happening. I am. You're damn <laughs> right I am. I'm shipping him out and I'm getting a ton of in return. Because guess what? You've got Rob Pinnell 2.0 coming off of a grad year at Duke. True. True. I'm not, I'm not bold but Michael Sowers isn't best friends with Paul Rabel, so how are you gonna how are you gonna get that one to go through? Listen, man. Hey, <laughs> are we are we running a business or are we running a friendship? I don't know if there's an eighth team. Do I if if I'm Paul Rabel and I'm the eighth and the eighth team comes up? Do I say, "Hey, coach, don't protect me," (laughs) and put myself on the eighth team? It's tough. Well, I think Rabel could use a change of scenery, but that's a that's another story. Adam didn't really think so. That was kind of my hot take. Um, But I, you know, Ryan, I I think you're you're kind of onto something. Like you you can't. So you have a dilemma because you have Rob Pinnell, but you can't pass up on a generational talent like Michael Sowers. So I could see them maybe trading down, but you got to get like three picks out of that. Um, And even then it's like, are you really going to like, like, do you really want to trade down when you have the number one pick? Like that's just unheard of in pro sports. No. And Um, and I mean, if I'm going to trade down, I'm trading down to like, uh, like one and two. I mean, who knows, who knows what Chris Gray is going to do, but like there's one, two and three right there. Yeah. No, I, so Right, I don't know. You're the Atlas. You need defense. Like, let's yeah. just be real about this. Yeah. You need some help with defense. You have a couple great guys, but that does not a defense make. So, when you look around the league, you look at two teams. When you think of defense, you think of the Whips, and you think of the Redwoods. Right from top to bottom, like they just have excellent defenses. There's other good ones. Obviously, the Chaos have a good enough defense, but the Atlas you know, need an LSM. Damn, he needs. Uh, he needs yeah. Hey, don't call him Craig Chick, but. I no, think Craig Chick could do I well, think he wasn't utilized enough. I, he wasn't utilized enough. Yeah, no, they could have used Craig him both over, uh, you know, Callen Robinson or Unterstein. I mean, Unterstein did well with what he was given, but he's a you know short stick defensive midi. Well, you don't want to ask a guy in the highest level of your sport to be switching back and True. forth. You know, but Chick did. Play, can he, he, can he handle it? Sure, he can handle it. Unterstein's yeah. a beast, yeah. but like. In any sport, you don't want to ask your running back to play wide receiver just because you need him to. Like that's on you. That's not on the player. Even if he could do it. So I think you know the Atlas need they need a pole. 
you know, close LSM, whatever you want to do with them, but they need a game changing poll. So, you know, I don't think there's a poll that you want to take in the first round of this draft. So I think you do trade down and I think you try to trade down and get yourself, you know, a good mid-level poll in the league. Now, who who that is, I, I don't know. But you need to find someone that needs that first pick. You need to find someone that needs Michael Sowers bad. And mm-hmm. I think there's a few teams that could definitely use one. So my thought was, I think it'd be great. You know, let's assume that Jules is, is healthy and can come back next year. That doesn't fix what they've got going on at attack necessarily because they are wildly inconsistent um, in the other three, the other two spots. So, you know, maybe maybe the Redwoods would trade. Um, where are they sitting at? They're sitting at four. So if the Redwoods trade up to one, and then you could get a guy like Finn Sullivan, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, from no, the Redwoods, I... who yeah. as well, or, or even Sexton, who even though he's a Notre Dame guy, doesn't quite get the love, you know, mm-hmm. from the Redwoods that some of the other guys do on their team. You know, the Apples, the Landises, the, the other guys that – they do or don't have at the moment. So I think that that's, that's one option. And then my last question for you guys today is when do we free Dylan Ward? Oh, do we, you know, we started, I had a great, you know, one of the, one of our LAS guys had a great point, you know, how badly do you think the chaos would, would, would give up Dylan Ward to get Brody Merrill back? I I don't think that's, idea because that's where they they lack they lack that quarterback i mentioned that on podcast they lack that quarterback of the defense jared newman's a great cover guy jack roulette's a great cover guy Mm -hmm. but they don't have a vocal leader on that it's probably blaze is probably the most vocal leader which isn't a bad thing to have your goalie be the vocal leader but um yeah i i think you gotta coach towers is in a great position because he has two picks in the second round He's got one pick, obviously, in the first round, two in the third round, and then a, a fourth rounder. He can add some more draft picks. He could maybe, you know, move some guys. Like, he has a lot that he can do. He's got Dylan Ward and Connor Fields, you know, just sitting there on the bench. Um, you know, and they've somehow made it to the championship still. So they can do a lot. But, yeah, I think they got to revamp this defense. So maybe you bring Brody Merrill back. Maybe, you know, maybe you make a splash. Do you? Do you give up some pieces? I mean, it's tough to see the Chaos and Atlas making a deal because they both – you know, need defense right now, mm-hmm. but do you maybe make a deal for a Durkin somehow? Give up a you know offensive piece. I, I don't know. It's just like it's, yeah, I agree with you that those two teams don't make good good matches, but yeah. there are plenty of teams out there with a little bit of extra defensive depth, i.e. the Redwoods. That hey, like you just said, if I'm the chaos, I have two big pieces. You know, maybe I'm not high on counterfields anymore. If I'm the chaos for whatever reason but other people still are. Yeah. So maybe I ship Connor Fields to the Redwoods and I pick up a Finn Sullivan. You know, I think yeah. that works both both ways for those guys. And then I still have Dylan Ward as trade bait to go mm-hmm. out and get myself a veteran pole and maybe even another draft pick. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you get one of those guys that, one of those goalies right now that's kind of on the downward trend mm-hmm. and is still starting or split. You know, there's those teams that split split time. So maybe I can get, you know, a Drew Adams or somebody and do a straight up pick, a straight up goalie trade, but also give myself a pick to make that a little sweeter. So if I I'm think, the, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just no, saying, I think I, if I'm the some possible options, if I'm the water dogs, I'm doing whatever I can to try and get Dylan Ward. Hmm. Yeah. And, and, 
And I really thought that too, especially before I saw DeLuca play. And now I'm like, man, like Cipriano had a couple good games. DeLuca had some really nice saves. So like it'd be a luxury to get Ward, but I'm not sure like that's their number one priority is to fix the goalie situation. Mm. But at the same time, every goalie in the league is, is pretty good on paper. That's kind of what you need. I mean, me and Adam were talking about how good John Galloway played this season, but he had one bad game, and that happened to be the playoff game, you know. Mm-hmm. And that can be the difference. Like that's the thin Free difference. Queener. You know, you have a Burnlor and a um, you could definitely try to trade Queener. I don't know how high his stock is. No, but... no, I just want to see him play. I love. Oh yeah, I know. Play. That's why we need an eighth team, right? Um, but you know, <laughs> you got Blaze Reardon and Burnlor that never really let up, and that's why those two teams won the championship. I mean, that's why it's really face-off play, which I guess in the chaos are anomaly because Tommy Kelly did not do well, but. Um, face-off play and goalie play and even like you know a, a jack and cannon can't do it all so you need to like really build around it but um you know i, I think it's you know it, it sometimes maybe makes sense to go out and get a dylan ward he has obviously proven in the past that he could be one of those top three goalies um but the water dogs are interesting too because i don't know what you guys' feelings are because i think they they got to get an offensive identity and that's why i think connor fields might make sense yes. you got to ship mm-hmm. some other guys out maybe well, move Kuchin or yeah. i don't know well, it's funny. Reeves for me doesn't doesn't really have a defined role in the league. Like he mm-hmm. was an excellent player at Yale. Like he's mm-hmm. still a great lacrosse player, but like I haven't seen him flourish yet. Drenner wow. was Mister Clutch, but then and you assume that taking two guys from the Whip Snake starting three and you put them on a team like that gives you identity. But Matt Rambo was the identity. And you took his supporting cast away and told him to go make their own identity, and it just didn't work out that way. Well, it's like, well, and it's like, you know, you're talking about Ben Reeves, like, you know, and this kind of goes back to our talk a little bit earlier about, like, you know, building a legitimate product. Like, a lot of these guys you're seeing make those next steps in, you know, in the next phase of their career. They're going from college to professional, they're devoting their time to it, and they're actually flourishing as they're hitting their athletic peak. Whereas other guys, you know, they had great college careers, but because of work commitments and everything like that, they can't put the time in that they once was, they once did. So like, maybe that's why, you know, you're seeing a different type of role for a guy like Ben Reeves. Cause who knows, you know, I know obviously he was doing, you know, I think he was like a, a med, yeah, he's in med school, right? That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, either or he's in it already. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't even- yeah. So like, you know, he's doing all that stuff, but then you're seeing these other guys like, and to your point, Hutton, like, you know, the water dogs might be a great spot for a guy like Connor Fields. Like he's a number one attackman in this league, but maybe his skill set isn't, has outgrown or just not the right fit for, for his team right now, you know, but that's who's to say that that's not going to flourish, you know, for, for another team. Absolutely. Yeah. And then my last point, you know, those are all great points. I think those are all things we could see, would like to see. You know, as much as no one, everyone talks about guys leaving the MLL to go to the PLL. I think that there's definitely going to be some guys going back. I think there's some guys that maybe didn't make the the bubble roster. Who's you know? And I'm thinking when I look at the MLL, the biggest hole to me is top to bottom defensive depth. I think the goalie play is absolutely insane. I think we've got offensive guys everywhere. But I think the depth at D-pole sometimes, and it showed itself during the tournament, is where they're lacking. And then I see a guy like Larkin Kemp sitting at home. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that guy could have been an MVP over in the other league. 
because he's just that good. But he didn't even get a chance to play on his own team. So I, I'm not pointing him out. I'm just saying there's guys like him that didn't make the roster for the for the tournament. And I'm like, maybe they would like to be a bigger role player, possibly. And it depends. They're not all going to automatically go over there and be big big names. But he would be. He would be a he would be a hot commodity in that league where defense is such a premium. So mm-hmm. I think that you know there's some guys that are definitely going to maybe go over. You know, Connor Fields might not have enjoyed this bubble as much as everybody else. Maybe he says, "I'm going to go back to the other league." Or, and you know, maybe not go back, but I'm going to go to the other league, and and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to basically reset my my pro career. And then you also have guys that came into the PLL that were, you know, you know, box studs. You know, Curtis Dixon, he's new at attack, right? And then you've got Reeves, who's coming back for another year, and it's like, and, and you have Zed Williams is new, and you have a bunch of new attackmen under the league, and and you were like, holy crap, these guys are the real deal. Like there's so much talent out there. And now you have guys, you know, that were starting in year one as big role players. They're moving down the league depth chart. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not their fault. Like they're bringing in amazing talent, but you know, that that's just, that's just the way it is in pro sports. You know, it happens in the NFL every year. You get these draft classes of freak athletes. And then you got guys that are a little bit older and they either get pushed out, retire, or they find a way to make it work. So I think it's going to be a big part of it moving forward. Yeah. And, you know, guys want to play like that's what it comes down to, you know, I mean, if they're content, you know, being in the PLL where there's definitely more talent, um, maybe they stay, but you know, guys want to play lacrosse at the end of the day. So, you know, like even like a Jojo Morasco, who's a little mm-hmm. annoyed that he wasn't on a roster. Like you see some of those guys go back and really dominate in the, the MLL cause they can, um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's, it'll definitely be interesting to see. Um, and we, there's just so much unknowns because we don't know what guys are signed up for. The consensus is that it's two years. So that's coming up, you know, this coming spring. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know what guys are making if they're not on the travel roster because, you know, everyone likes to say, oh, well, PL is play, paying them more and there is a base salary. But the problem is if you're not making a game day roster, you're not really getting any money. You know, it's not always necessarily the grass is greener on the other side unless you're consistently making a roster. Um, and there's just so much we don't know. So I think, you know, when people see, you know, maybe a big name comes back over to the MLL, um, maybe a vice versa, but take everything with not a grain of salt, but just take everything in perspective because we don't know what these players are doing. There's still a lot of them that are, you know, not full-time lacrosse players. They have full-time jobs, both leagues. It's just the reality of it. So they're going to make a decision that's best for them. And we shouldn't be here judging. Like we can still give our two cents, but we don't need to judge like their decision to join whatever league, you know, oh, really absolutely. I think, I think what we're doing is just, is letting everyone know, like, these are some things that may happen. You know, yep, if absolutely. Connor Fields goes to the NFL, good for him. Like yep. I, I don't care which league he plays in as long as he's doing what's best for him. Same thing with Larkin Kemp, Marasco, anybody like that. If guys want to jump over, if Lyle eventually says, listen, I'm going to go play in the PL again, good for him, whatever they want to do. But these are just some things that, people might see happening and mm-hmm. and i think that people need to realize it hasn't happened yet to my knowledge but the pll mll you know it's a two-way street people are going to end up going back and forth you know malloy is the only one i can think of and he didn't actually get into the league fully yeah. before yeah. he was like no this doesn't work out for work and personal yeah. reasons 
And, and I think you're going to see that a little bit more because some guys do like to build their lives around a geographic location Yeah. where other guys don't mind traveling every weekend. So, you know, we're, we're going to see, it's going to be an interesting off season. You know, I'll leave everybody with this. Go watch the NLL this season. If, if you care about lacrosse, not only will it be good as a fan, but you, you're definitely going to learn quite a bit and it's going to support lacrosse. So Hutton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so um, much, man. It was great speaking with you. For everybody Absolutely. listening, join us next week when Ryan sits down with Brevard head coach Derry Thornton to discuss uh, race issues in the sport and and how we can improve those moving forward. So uh, have a great weekend, everybody. And uh, yeah, watch some box lacrosse. There you go. And then my last question for you guys today is, when do we free Dylan Ward? Oh, do we, you know, don't get we me started. I had a great, you know, one of the one of our LAS guys had a great point. You know, how badly do you think the chaos would 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 give up Dylan Ward to get Brody Merrill back? I with a I don't think that's a bad idea because that's where they they lack they lack that quarterback. I mentioned mm-hmm. that on the podcast. They lack that quarterback of the defense. Jared Newman's a great cover guy. Jack Rollett's a great cover guy, mm-hmm. but they don't have a vocal leader on that. It's probably Blaze is probably the most vocal leader, which isn't a bad thing to have your goalie be the vocal leader, but. Um, yeah, I, I think you gotta, yeah, coach towers is in a great position. Cause he has two picks in the second round. He's got one pick, obviously in the first round, two in the third round, and then a, a fourth rounder. He can add some more draft picks. He could maybe, you know, move some guys like he has a lot that he can do.